after the steel door crashes shut. I start reading what the walls have to say. A habit I developed every time I was thrown in the hole. I've spent 12 or so of the last 51 months in cells like this. What fills every inch of these walls is riddled with game monikers, symbols, codes, such as 206, 360, 503, 425. Tags, graffiti art, calling out rats and snitches, religious symbols, and all kinds of hatred towards DOC. A guestbook sort of begins to emerge. My eyes scan the walls and I see that one of my friends was in the cell recently. But there is no eloquent prose or deep, meaningful insights in the human condition. Sure, there's the occasional witty rhyme or lyric or poem. But what's scribbled often misspelled is the unfiltered outcries of the nation's huddled masses. Hollow boasts of gang affiliation, thinly veiled aches of a yearning to belong, to finally be accepted by someone. So many of the men trapped behind these walls began abandoned early and often. Placed in the cruel youth-to-prison pipeline that is the foster system. Most who write on these walls are far from innocent by the time they get here and lack a promise of usefulness. Yet while I was being stripped of my dignity in all connections, it was only then that I could connect to their humanity. This cell, like all the others, is remarkably unremarkable. Four concrete walls, one large steel door, with a metal hatch where your food is tossed to you like you're an animal. The ubiquitous prison toilet sink combo, a cold concrete stool, an even colder concrete platform, the mattress, no thicker than my thumb, two sheets, two blankets, one roll of TP. The whole is simple to describe, yet at the same time, the all-consuming despair and pain of the barbaric practice of solitary confinement is indescribable. The only persons I see are my captors. The only physical contact I have is the sensation of the cold steel and the snap of the handcuffs being applied as I crouch awkwardly to put my hands behind me through the meal hatch. I only endure that contortionist feat once every three to seven days to be escorted to a 10 minute shower. And for that humiliation, I'm placed in an open face cage to wash under water that is either breathtakingly cold or so hot that I later blister. This is the most I will see other humans. COs, both male and female, stroll past and catch a glimpse of my nude caged form. After the brief chance to remove a week's worth of filth, I'm handed my first change of clothes in as many days. Pink t-shirt, pink socks, and pink boxers. Oh, some disciple of Sheriff Joe Arpaio is surely proud of this taxpayer-funded chance to shame. The animals in the hole. I'm lucky. All my toes stay in this pair of socks, and there are no obvious shit stains on the boxers, and only two blood spatters on the tee. 
Corrections is perhaps the biggest most misnomer. In all the prison narrative, nothing's corrected here, especially not in the whole. Old wounds are torn open and new ones fester. The whole teaches you nothing, but you teach yourself that you can survive it. For those that do, in general population, whole time is something of a badge of honor. It is even a prerequisite to any sort of social standing in the hierarchy of prison culture. Those that have never done whole time are minimum viewed with suspicion and as soft weaklings. My thoughts, they're my only friend, yet my own worst enemy. Silence becomes so loud pain of loss of another human to connect with becomes deafening. I ruminate on the past, not just my fall, but the mind goes down rabbit holes. Hours pass and suddenly I wonder, why am I dwelling on some instance of embarrassing myself and called upon in class during the seventh grade? Time. Time though, time is the biggest bitch of them all. Time tricks and taunts me. It has the same effect on the past occupants of these cells, as evidenced by the many calendars, release dates, hash marks, all scratched into the walls. Someone has even written the daily schedule on the door. Breakfast, 6.30, med pass, 0900, lunch, 10.30, meals. Called mainline here, as that's what the guards shout and bang on the meal hatches they serve food. Existence of the whole revolves around these, often served at room temperature, meals. Get on your feet if you want to eat, is written over the table. In reference to the DOC policy, if you aren't standing at your meal hatch, the moment a guard walks up, they will skip your cell and you will go hungry. Often meals are your only semblance of time. They act as your clock. I never would have thought that being deprived of a clock could drive me to the brink of madness, and perhaps well past it. But I've heard neighbors break down and push the emergency button just to beg for the time. Most of what is scrawled on these walls oozes the macho armor one must don in order to survive the barred coliseum. But every so often, something betrays the sorrow of the years. Never coming back here again. As my eyes scroll past these words, part of me was optimistic that this is the writer's promise of a changed life. The reality is with so little in our control, there is but one thing that is really truly in hands of the imprisoned. And with that, I know what is written on the wall is a statement of finality. A few days later, when CO casually mentions, someone hung themselves in this unit. He says it is cold and emotionless as if he was talking about the weather. Of the hundreds of square inches of writing that I have sat in solitude reading, 
Much I cannot remember. And the actual words are largely meaningless. What they represent, however, has a grip on me. The writing on the walls will always stand in my memories as the outcries of a discarded people joined if only in solidarity by their shared torment of isolation. Isolation that only serves to callous the blisters of a lifetime of marginalization. <laughs>